0: This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.
1: Sorry, I was trying to finish a tweet, Kira. I apologize. (laughs) Uh... Welcome in here on a Friday. Uh, Back after... We were not on last week, right? Because of a bowl game. Is that right? We had a bowl game on. Uh, We were not on last week. I don't think we're going to miss any shows until baseball season. I think that's kind of it. Right? We had some bowl games. There was a Drake game in there. Uh, Happy to be here in Des Moines. And a very busy show. I'm Mike Wickett. That is Kira. We are here. And uh, there is so much... It was a very weird week and we're going to get right into where we're at right now. And then we're going to talk about where we came from this week because it was one of the strangest weeks I think any of us can remember in the National Football League and and in the sports world. And and sometimes when stories are bigger than sports, that's when you kind of have to take a step back and realize sports place in the world because on Monday... I mean, my wife doesn't care about football. She may do better than me in fantasy football, but my wife really doesn't care about the outcome of games. And she knew that I was in a championship and won fantasy league, and she came up to me and she said, how's it going? And I said, well, this guy from the Bills just took a massive hit and then collapsed. Now there's an ambulance on the field. And she sat with me, and she watched the DeMar Hamlin story. And she watched the ESPN coverage with me because it was that big. Um, the quick update on Damar Hamlin: the breathing tube is out. He is breathing on his own, which is amazing. Uh, if you you know you, if you've been under a rock or you haven't been paying any attention, you know Damar Hamlin collapsed after taking a hit. CPR was necessary on Monday, and uh, he's been in the ICU for days talked to his team on the phone today or on the uh, the zoom call today I think he did one of these the flexing at least one arm or two arm flexing he did like the heart I love you guys all great to all great to hear all great to see we're gonna hear from Josh Allen coming up in just a bit about that and one are the the problems I think all week and you can tell me that this may not have been you but I believe that every football fan was thinking two things and you're allowed to think two things, all right? You're allowed to be concerned and worried about an athlete that you just saw collapse. And at the same time, wonder what that means for your team, your fantasy team, which does not matter. I know we're supposed to say that. What does it mean for your team's seating? What does that mean for your team? and home field advantage. You can think about both. And that's the problem the NFL was dealing with. All right? And I'm not Roger Goodell. I like his paycheck. I don't want the scrutiny. (laughs) Um, And that was pretty much on the mind of every football fan this week. You know, unless you have zero interest in fantasy or gambling or playoff seating and you just watch whatever game is on TV, and, and good for you if you can... Uh, you know, you can separate yourself from what happened on Monday night. That's fine. I'm not telling you you're right. I'm not telling you you're wrong. But what I can tell you is that I think I share your feelings, most people's feelings, that I'm concerned AF for DeMar Hamlin. And that was the scariest thing I've ever seen in a football field. I thought what I saw with Tua Tug of Iloa earlier this year, on the same field, ironically enough, I thought that was the scariest thing I'd ever seen when his fingers went 10 different ways. So we've been waiting because everybody wants to ask the same question. What does this mean for seeding? Is the game canceled? Is the game tied? Is the game forfeited? Is that Monday night game a zero all across the board? It was 7-3. Did they just give Cincinnati the win? Well, they canceled it. And I don't know what that did to your fantasy football league. We split the pot in, in the two I'm in. I don't know what I don't know what that did for your league. I'm not sure. But while we're all talking about that, the NFL has to come up with a situation for some reason, and I question why we have to do this. But the NFL had to come up with some way to map out the rest of the year. Week 18 is this weekend, starts tomorrow. There are a pair of games tomorrow. Chiefs and Raiders, and then the battle for the AFC South. Titans and Jaguars, and then the big slate of games on on Sunday. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate, the timing of this. It's unfortunate that it happened, and I'm not going to be cold and heartless and say, well, if this was week five, we wouldn't really be all that concerned. No, but there is greater weight on the shoulder of the NFL, the shoulders of the National Football League, and the schedule makers, and the competition committee, and the commissioner, and all the owners. It is greater because of where we're at in the calendar. And it's okay to say that. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be offended. All right? It's okay to say that. I promise you. So what's going to happen now with the National Football League? Well, the, the, the Bengals and Bills game is done. Kaput. Canceled. Never happened. I don't think stats counted. But the, now the AFC playoff situation has gotten kind of cloudy, right? Like, Now there are rules. They're being voted on right now. As I speak, there is a meeting going on with all 32 owners on a Zoom call, which sounds like a nightmare. You ever been on a a Zoom call? Especially with a bunch of old people that own NFL teams. (laughs) How many of them have their microphone on and they're trying to talk to somebody? You know how it was during COVID when we were all doing everything by Zoom? Somebody had the mic. Turn it up. Tell Ryan we can hear him. Oh, man. Oh, Barry's got. So they're having the meeting right now. They have to get 24 votes out of the owners. 24 votes to adopt this new set of rules that for some reason we need. And I'm not 100% sure we even need these rules, but they need to get 24 to figure out I guess that this is the best way to go for the new AFC playoff situation. Here's ESPN's Adam Schefter.
2: They canceled the game from Monday night. It's not going to be rescheduled. So there's no Bills-Bengals game, no rematch, and there's going to be an oddity when you're computing the playoff scenarios. The Bills and the Bengals are going to play one fewer game than the other teams in the AFC that they're going to be up against. And so the league was trying to factor that in to the equation and come up with a system that it felt was fair and equitable. The Bengals don't like it because the Bengals draw a short straw here, but the league was doing the best it could with a system that the competition committee signed off on Thursday night and NFL owners will have to approve on a Zoom call on Friday before it becomes official, but that would be considered Likely to happen.
1: All right. So they're all meeting today. A whole bunch of billionaires are sitting around on a Zoom call and it's going on right now. And I hit refresh on Twitter while we were listening to Schefter, and I have not seen anything come down. It's ironic that the two biggest stories in the country right now have people bargaining for votes. And I'm not going political, but the Cincinnati Bengals need nine no votes because this idea of what they're going to be doing with the AFC title game. And I'll explain it here in a second. Actually, Dan Graziano from ESPN is going to explain it. But the Bengals, I think at the short end of the stick here, and they are calling up, trying to make alliances and deals to get nine no votes to go against the rules change here. Just like in D.C. <laughs> where, where Congressman Kevin McCarthy is trying to figure out how to get the votes to become Speaker of the House ironically the two biggest stories we have in america right now have to do with votes and rules it's amazing so the, the what's in question here listen if these teams were the were fighting for the 6 and the 5 seed this wouldn't have nearly the drama but this has a lot to do with home field home field throughout and where the afc championship game is going to be played here's espn's dan graziano
2: the afc championship game if it involves two teams that played an uneven number of games and both could have had a chance to be the host team will be played at a neutral site. This happens if Buffalo and Kansas City both win this weekend, or if Buffalo and Kansas City both lose this weekend. If that occurs and Buffalo and Kansas City meet in the AFC Championship game, that game would be played at a neutral site. Additionally, if Buffalo and Kansas City both lose this weekend and Cincinnati wins and then Cincinnati plays Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, that game would be played at a neutral site. And the reason because in those scenarios, the teams would be within a half game of each <laughs> other and because the game was not finished the team with the worst record was denied an opportunity to win that game and get into a tie that would have made them the host team in the AFC championship
1: now that is what they're voting on right now as we speak my question is this why do we need to do this why do we need to amend the rule the current rule is playoff seating is determined by winning percentages which again Sucks if you're the Bills because they were the one seed, but they're winning a percentage. The amount of games they have won is lower than, the percentage-wise is lower than Kansas City. Meanwhile, Cincinnati had a shot at the number one seed, home field, and hosting the AFC Championship game. The rule is already there. The rule's already in place in case of a canceled game. Now, we haven't had one like this since 1935. All right, I think it was a rainout back in 1935. You imagine they rained out a game in the NFL? That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, we had a much more serious situation happen on Monday, and they canceled the game. It is over. It is done. This would be a diff- It would be a very different scenario if this happened week six. They could move around teams, move around games, move around bye weeks like they did during COVID. But we can't do that. I know this is sometimes the wrong answer. But why did we have to change this? Why couldn't we just say, listen, this just happens to be the hand that everybody has dealt. Now, I don't hate the proposed rule changes with the neutral sites and everything. And by the way, should Cincinnati lose to Baltimore, they still win the AFC North, but should Cincinnati lose to Baltimore this weekend, a coin flip will determine where they will play if they play in the wild card. It is so damn confusing. To have this point, like, I kind of just want to see what happens tomorrow when the Raiders and Chiefs play, and I expect Kansas City to win that game. It's in Vegas, but you still got to expect KC to win that game. And then I kind of want to see what happens between New England and Buffalo. They're playing in Orchard Park. The emotions are going to be sky high on Sunday. And then I kind of want to see what happens with Cincinnati and Baltimore and wonder if everybody complaining or everybody just sitting here wondering why in the heck we're making these rule changes like I am. Where we all doing it for nothing? You know, let's kind of see how things play out. Now, all three of those teams should win. Bengals are at home. Ravens have Tyler Huntley playing at QB. Bills are at home. The emotions on that team are going to be incredible, but they should handle New England. Who knows? New England has a a shot of making the playoffs too, so you know they're not going to roll over. And then Kansas City, maybe the best team in the league, they're going to Vegas. Vegas is starting Jared Stidham. So I kind of just want to see what happens before we all jump and call this bad or bogus But the owners are determining that right now. And one of the questions I had was, what happens if Cincinnati gets the votes? What happens if Cincinnati, who doesn't like this rule change, Zach Taylor has already come out and said that we should be playing by the rules, the rules we already have in place. Well, here's what ESPN's Dan Graziano says happens if this rule change does not get passed today.
2: If it doesn't pass, there's two possibilities. One, they just default to what it would have originally been, and just seedings are determined and home field determined by winning percentage, regardless of the fact that teams have played different numbers of games. Or they could propose something else and vote on that. They're just a little short on time. They want to get this wrapped up before this weekend's games kick off, which is, in this case, tomorrow. By the way, why didn't this get
1: done Tuesday or Wednesday? Why are we talking about, why are we having a vote Friday and if you're on the West Coast, Friday morning. Like, why why didn't we get this done? Or actually everywhere Friday morning. Why didn't we get this done yesterday or the day before? I mean, I know there are t- there are 8 million moving parts. I, I understand there are 8 million moving parts. And you're talking about a lot of money. A lot of TV money. A lot of people money. A lot of rich people money. A lot of money I'm never going to have any any share of. But it just feels like we're waiting to the 11th hour and that might influence like hey we have to get this done let's all vote yes i don't know if it's going to pass i have no clue you got it they got to get 24 yeses for this thing to pass and i'll hit refresh on twitter and i'll check it out and see if i can find anybody who has got it now the difference is unlike the vote going on in with uh, congressman kevin mccarthy we don't get a play by play of okay mark davis of the raiders voted yes uh, all right Bob Kraft of the Patriots voted no. We don't get the the play by play of who's voting yes and who's voting no of the the owners of the National Football League. So that's where we're we're all just in a holding pattern until it comes down. But I go back to what I asked earlier. Why are we changing a rule that was actually already created for this exact situation? If there's a canceled game, we go by win percentage. We had a canceled game why are we going by win percentage? Why are we not going by win percentage? I, I don't quite understand it. I'm sure it has to do with money. Because that's always the answer to everything. One thing I did hear before we go to break. I did hear this on the show right before us. Which is uh, Fitz and Harry. No longer Barton Hahn. I got to wonder. If either the players or the owners or the league doesn't want a scenario where Cincinnati and Buffalo play on that field, I have to wonder if that is factoring in. Because we're going to hear from Josh Allen coming up here in a bit about getting back on the field and what it's like to get back on the field. And they're going to play at home in Buffalo against the Patriots coming up on Sunday. And that crowd is going to be incredible normally I don't care about Bill's Patriots but I care about Bill's Patriots I want to see the crowd Cincinnati plays at home that crowd's going to be electric but it's from, from from the player's perspective do they want Bill's Patriot sorry do they want Bill's Bengals at some point back on that field in Cincinnati do they even want to have a chance at that happening and I don't know if the answer is yes and I don't know if the answer is no but that's something that I thought about right before we came on the air here. Um, I'm going to get to Josh Allen. He had some very interesting things to say about speaking to DeMar, about how they actually get back on the field and play football. And also, I can't tell you what it's like to be an NFL player, but I can tell you what it's like to be a broadcaster. And I need to, I want to talk about the broadcast on Monday night. What we saw from Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Susie Kolber and, uh, Lisa Salters, Schefter, and Booger McFarland, And then Ryan Clark and Scott Van Pelt and that whole broadcast. I want to get to that coming up. And if you're watching on the video, hello. It's up to Brian and Brent and Ron and Doug and Dave and my mom's watching. Hello, Mom. I'm in full green and gold here today. Of course, we have to talk about the big finale to the year on Sunday night. We'll get to the Packers and Lions as well.
2: Wicket needs a
3: timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.
1: So I just showed our producer, 1021 FM, 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Wicket's World, my name is Mike Wicket. Hello, if you're watching on the uh, Facebook page, I appreciate it very much. So... um. I just showed a chart to our producer, Kira. Kira, I'm going to put it on the camera here. That is the playoff scenario chart for the 1, 2, and 3 in the AFC. <laughs> What'd you I showed it to you during the break. What would you think of it?
2: <laughs>
1: well, I... You'd never seen anything like that, I know. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. What if it goes Kansas City, Buffalo? And, and what if it goes Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati... It's very confusing about all of this. There are so many scenarios to play out. It's almost not worth getting all upset about. Almost. Almost, yeah. The only people who are really upset, I think, are Bengals fans or the Cincinnati Bengals themselves because I think they're the ones that are getting screwed because there might be a coin flip and they might have to play as an AFC South champion playing at Baltimore. It's just... Let's just see what happens, okay? What we do know is that we got great news today. DeMar Allen had the breathing tube pulled out of his mouth today. Uh, He is able to breathe on his own. He was at about 50% two days ago. He's at 100% today or near 100% or enough of a percentage. I'm not a doctor. Uh, That was as of like 8.30 this morning. They pulled the tube out, which was awesome news. He did a Zoom call with his teammates. And I cannot imagine the emotion being in that locker room, and whether there was like four cameras or 40 cameras or whatever it is, and then the one for DeMar, the emotion had to be 100% incredible. Now, we haven't heard from Josh Allen yet today, and I don't know if we're going to, but we heard from Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Bills, yesterday. And the first thing he was asked about was the way—because if you, if you remember— for some stupid reason, somebody had a five-minute rule. And nobody knows where the five-minute rule came up came out of. Joe Buck reported that they were given five minutes. Uh, Troy Vincent from the league says, we don't know where that came from. No referee is stepping up and saying, well, we had five minutes. We told the teams five minutes. Nobody knows where the five-minute rule was to get your team composed after the CPR was administered to to, to, to your teammate. You know, like, hey, let's... Let's rethink this. So Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, talks to Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. And finally, some sense has talked into this, these, these referees. The players are like, no. The teams are like, no. And they go back into their locker rooms. And I, I can't imagine the emotion as the head coach that Sean McDermott was dealing with and trying to stay composed. Because he has his whole roster. Half the guys are in tears. Josh Allen has his face covered like this Stefan Diggs is has got tears streaming down his down his face. You know that this is a ridiculous situation that is going on that no one is prepared for and Bill's quarterback Josh Allen said that Sean McDermott was awesome.
0: the way he handled it was he, he was a perfect man in that situation to handle that. I can't say enough what he did what he said to us in the locker room. Obviously, just a a, a dire circumstance that nobody's expecting, nobody's ready for. There's nothing that you can train about doing. Like, you can never put yourself in that situation until it happens.
1: No one watching, commentating, playing, coaching, you never put yourself in that situation because it was unlike anything we had ever seen on a football field. Especially at that level with the amount of exposure the NFL has now. I know some people will remember Charlie Hughes, I think was the dude's name from the Lions, who took a hit back in the 50s or the 60s and on the way back to the huddle, died on the field. TV and exposure and the way and the popularity of the National Football League today is very different from that. Like my dad told me about it. My dad's 75. he 75, you yeah. know. I don't have any recollection of that. I wasn't anywhere near born at that point. I, you know, you remember some catastrophic injuries. You remember if you're a Lions fan, Mike Utley, what's his name, Bird from the uh, from the Jets, getting paralyzed. Reggie Brown had to have a tracheotomy done on the field. If you're a basketball fan, Reggie Lewis, you remember that. Some others, but it, it was something that you just are never ever prepared for. And thank God. For the staff, for the medical staff, that responded so well and basically kept Damar Hamlin alive.
0: I want to thank our our training staff for going out there, not knowing what's going on, but going through a checklist, working as a single cell symbiote, like saving his life, you know, and is being on that field. It, <clears throat> You, you, you lose sleep, you hurt for your brother, a lot of shared grief, but getting updates and positive updates eases so much of that that pain and that tension that you feel, but coach handled it as, as perfect as anybody could.
1: I, I don't know how you do it. I have no idea how, I mean, you're the leader of those men. Now, they are grown men. We're not talking about college kids and we're not talking about high school kids. They are grown men, but to see a guy they have bled with, a guy they have fought with, a guy who had, you know, been an awesome story. And everything you're hearing about DeMar Hamlin is that he's an absolutely awesome dude. And to see him fall, collapse, and lie motionless. And we didn't get a lot of camera angles after, and I'm glad we didn't see a lot of it after. But from their their vantage point, from what the players saw, you have to imagine that that is going to be burned into their brain for the rest of their lives. Like, you've seen horrific stuff, whether you've been in a car accident or you've been in a fight or whatever the, the, the tragic memory is for you. That one is going to be the scene that is stuck in their head forever. And I, I don't know. I'm not sure this was a great question to ask. But it's one that I think a lot of people are interested in hearing, and that is, what what was it like? This seems like such a generic a generic question to ask. What was it like for Josh Allen to see that scene on Monday night,
0: I don't typically like using emotion to answer questions, uh, but the scene just replays over and over in your head. And there's again, it's hard to answer that question and actually describe how you know I felt, how my teammates felt in that moment. It's something we'll never forget. But to know that Demar is he's doing okay, and I know there's still a lot of a lot of things and, and stuff that he has to process and continue to go through to get back to to himself. We're just again, we heard that news this morning, and there's nothing that that could have been told to us to bring our day down. You know, we're extremely happy for him and his family. You know, we just wanna we just wanna lo- love up on him. You know, so the next chance we get, I don't know when it's gonna be if we get to see him anytime soon, it's gonna be awesome.
1: The, uh, the news he spoke of was yesterday, because he spoke yesterday afternoon, and it was that DeMar had opened his eyes. And and that isn't, I mean, you talk about baby steps. That's a giant step. That makes you feel really good when you heard about that. Um, Bills play the Patriots. The whole league is going to be honoring DeMar Allen with patches and tributes and wh- whatever it may be. But nothing will be more emotional than what happens in Orchard Park when New England and Buffalo play and that's an early game. It's a noon game Des Moines time. And Josh Allen was simply asked, how, how do you go back to work after what happened six days prior? A
0: little difficult to answer that question. Um, I think for every person, it's going to be a little different. I think putting that helmet back on today was a really good thing for our, our team and just to, to kind of go through that process um, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, you know, some people are going to be changed forever, you know, after being on the field and witnessing that and, and feeling those emotions. The best way that we can continue to move forward, obviously, the updates that we keep getting on tomorrow really lift our spirits. Leaning on each other, talking to each other, you know, we've had some some very open and honest and deep talks. Some unbelievable. Uh, it sounds weird, but embraces as men, just hugging somebody and actually leaning into them. There's been a lot of that going around, and you need every bit of it. You, you really do. And the fact that we just keep hearing good news about DeMar, it, it just keeps pushing us forward.
1: And the best news so far happened today, and that is the tube is out. He's breathing on his own. They did a Zoom call. All all the good things are, are starting to happen, which is great because there was so much worry, so much unknown, so much we we're all suspended. And, and it's been the story. Again, the two biggest stories have been what's going on in D.C. with the vote for Speaker of the House and this. That's the two stories that have just gotten all the attention on my Twitter timeline all week long. And one is a football thing, but it's big, than that. And that's why we talk about it. You know, he mentioned guys are going to be changed forever. I do the morning show on the Rock Station here in town on Laser 103.3. That's my full-time gig. And one of our listeners named Mason called in. And said, do you think this is going to keep kids from playing football? And I don't know if it's going to keep kids from playing football. And, you know, all of a sudden when you start talking about kids not playing football, there are going to be so many that will say, this was a freak accident. You could step off the, the curb the wrong way and blow out your ACL and your entire career. is go-. And you're right. Yeah, you absolutely can. I think, I, I don't know if this is going to push people over the edge that we're teetering on, let my kids play football, don't let my kids play football. I think the con- the concussion stuff, the CTE stuff, I think that way is pretty heavy on whether or not you're going to let your kids play football. Um, you know, this doesn't happen that often, where a guy takes a shot to the heart. And by the way, let me clear something up. What happened with DeMar Hamlin, T. Higgins' helmet hit him in the heart at the exact wrong time. And his heartbeat skipped once. And the oxygen transfer to the brain went all out of whack. That is what happened. Anyone who is spewing lies about vaccines of having any effect on Damar Hamlin needs to be shot down right away. All right, Any of those, those lies need to be shot down right away. This had nothing to do with any kind of vaccine. So please don't make it. Something that is mythical and false. I I can't get the words right because I'm going to butcher it. But the two words start with the letter C. That is what happened to this guy. All right? That has nothing to do with anything of of that nature. But someone, when we were having the conversation about whether or not, you know, kids are going to play football or whatever, somebody said, you know, it's too early to have that conversation. No, it's not. It's not too early to have that conversation. I believe there are going to be a lot of guys in the NFL Because when the CTE stuff started happening, a lot of guys in the National Football League retired early, didn't want to wind up with too many brain injuries. I think there are a lot of people right now that are playing football that are thinking, this is not something I want to risk. You're looking at your own mortality. You're looking at the chance of dying on the field, whether it's one in a 1,000 or it's one in 50,000. Of all the hits you're going to take or you're going to make, Some people will look at this and say, nope. And that's their choice, and that's fine. You want to walk away from the game? That's fine. You're talking about your health. You're talking about your family. You're talking about your well-being. You're talking about your future. You're talking about living and dying, and you would rather reduce the percentages? I got no problem with that. That's why I have no problem with guys who retire early because of fear of concussions, or they've had too many concussions. That's why I think Tua Tagovailoa should retire when he had so many head injuries in like six weeks. And if this is what pushes people over the edge to say, nope, I don't want to risk this anymore, then more power to you. You do whatever you want. Or if you're going to keep playing because one out of every 60 years this happens, that's fine, too. That is fine, too. There's no wrong answer here whatsoever, all right? No wrong answer whatsoever. I will tell you that I was impressed with the broadcast on Monday night. I do want to talk about it. I can't tell you what it's like to be a football player. Look at me. I'm 6'2", 175. I'm 41 years old. I'm not an NFL player. But I can tell you what it's like to be a broadcaster when a celebration becomes a nightmare. And I'll explain next.
3: Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.
1: 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wickett. Happy Friday to you. Well, we got a lot of sports coming up this weekend. We got live sports all weekend long. We got Drake basketball. We got men and women's Drake basketball. We got an NFL game coming up on, on Sunday. I'm telling you. And then Monday, we got the National Championship game. Should be Michigan. TCU and Georgia should be Michigan. Man, oh man. So the story of the week in sports and maybe the story of the year in sports has been... That of DeMar Hamlin. You've seen the shot. It happened on Monday in the uh, the Monday night game against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And by the way, I cannot believe how much heat T. Higgins is playing. I don't understand the heat for T. Higgins. Uh, Bart Scott made a terrible mistake by saying that he raised his helmet into uh, DeMar Hamlin's chest. there There have been some terrible takes on national television sports debate shows, okay? We won't even talk about... The theatrical presentation that Fox Sports One puts out there with Shannon and Skip, which by the way is all done by the producers, all of that is fake. All right, all of that's fake. Don't get don't get led around with a carrot in your know in front of your nose uh, and not understand that that is WWE stuff that they are doing over on that show. And then Bart Scott blaming T Higgins, but I do want to go back to the broadcast on Monday night. I opened the show saying that I was sitting there with, you know, just watching the game. I had two guys in my fantasy championship game playing and that one. I actually had T Higgins and I had Jamar chase and he had Joe Burrow and he had uh Stefan And My wife, she was begging and hoping that I win because I was going to be miserable <laughs> if they lost. And a night like that puts things in perspective. Like who cares? It's fantasy football. Yeah. There was some money on the line, but, the, the the bigger deal is what happened on that field. And she asked me, she said, how's it going so far? And I said, well, um, there's a guy on the field they're trying to bring back to life. And they're trying And now there's an ambulance on the field. And she stopped what she was doing. And my wife doesn't care about football. And she came, sat down next to me, and we watched the coverage. And I can't tell you what it's like to be an NFL player. I can't tell you what it's like to be an NFL coach or anybody affiliated with the team. But I can tell you what it's like to be a broadcaster when something turns a celebration into a nightmare. Because what you saw was exactly that. And what you saw was what the, one of the major reasons. And I know people, for whatever reason, think that Joe Buck hates their team. Joe Buck does not hate your team. I don't care if you're a Chiefs fan. I don't care if you're a Packers fan. I don't care if you're a Cowboys fan. Joe Buck doesn't hate your team. All right? Joe Buck doesn't care about your team. Joe Buck calls the biggest games on the planet for a reason, okay? The biggest baseball games for a while, all those World Series games, all the Super Bowls. Joe Buck is great at his job. Is he my favorite broadcaster? No. But what we saw on Monday night, the way that Joe Buck handled a situation that not a broadcaster ever on this planet has had to deal with is why he is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. Joe Buck was fantastic. You know, he didn't just try to fill things up. Joe Buck didn't just try to tell you miscellaneous facts. He didn't try to fill the dead air. He didn't try to speculate on anything. He even at one point said, we can only tell you what we know, and we're not going to tell you what we don't know, which is so good and so refreshing in today's era of broadcasting because so many people will just turn it into an opinion show. Well, what do you think? Joe Buck's not a doctor. Joe Buck doesn't bring people back to life. He's not an EMT. He I don't know if he knows CPR. He doesn't he's not his job is to tell you what's happening on the football field or in Monday Night's case tell you what is going on and try to steer the ship while this terrible scenario is developing in front of us because you were like me. You were sitting there on your couch and you were watching it and you're wondering what in the heck is going on here? And Troy Aikman, I don't expect a ton from Troy, but Troy was great as well. And when they were running out of things to say, they would throw down to Lisa Salters, and she was trying to get any information she could to be accurate, to be accurate, which is so important and, again, so lacking in today's media. They did a really good job, and then when they were out of new information, they sent it back to the studio, and there was Susie Colbert and Booger McFarland and Adam Schefter, and I put this up on my Facebook page about how well everyone did on the broadcast, everybody at the stadium and everybody in that studio. I thought Booger McFarland echoed exactly what you would want a football player and and their reaction to be. And I think Adam Schefter, who is so close to so many NFL players because of his role at ESPN as an insider, as a senior NFL insider, I thought the tone was great. And people criticize Susie Colbert because she was pressing, pressing. She was pushing. Susie has the hardest job in that room. Susie had the absolute hardest job in that room. She has a producer in her ear. You don't see this. You don't know this. She has a producer in her ear telling her to ask Booger McFarland questions, to ask Adam Schefter questions. Booger was so shook in that first break. They go to him. They go to him. And Booger didn't want to talk, which cannot happen when you're doing a TV show. It, especially in that moment when I'm sitting at home in West Des Moines, Iowa, and I need, what are these guys thinking? And she's asking him. And Booger can't say, I don't want to talk about it. You can't have that reaction. And people got mad at Susie Colber because she was pressing, trying to get something, because there's a producer in her ear feeding her questions. There's a there's a, a, a teleprompter feeding her questions for Schefter and for Booger. And I'm not knocking McFarlane. Booger McFarland was shook. He's part of the fraternity. Schefter's not part of the fraternity. I'm not part of the fraternity. Colber's not part of the fraternity. Joe Buck's not. Lisa Salters is not. Troy Aikman is. And he saw one of his brothers in the fraternity on the field, motionless, Not breathing. If you go back and watch the broadcast again, watch the second time they go to the studio. Booger and Susie are much more engaging. Not great, but better. Because at break, either a producer said, you got to give us something, bro. Or she said to him, you have to give us something. Because I can't do this on my own. And Susie Colbert can't give you the perspective of what it was like to be a defensive lineman in the National Football League. Only that guy in that room can and I was thinking in my head, if he can't, go get Orlovsky. Go get Ryan Clark. Go find some other NFL alum you have in that building and get him in the studio to make, this, to make this work. I don't need six people in there, like some of these NFL pregame shows where everybody has to talk and everybody needs airtime. I need one. I need Susie Colbert to be able to ask one player what he is thinking. And I thought the whole broadcast – was fantastic. I I can only equate it to this. Okay, back in 2006, I was working at a radio station in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, we were the, we were covered Michigan football basically 24 seven 365, and that was the year that Michigan and Ohio State were one two going into the game at the end of the year, and on that Friday, we had basically blocked out the whole day to do a 12 hour. Michigan football pregame show from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m. And I had Bo Schembechler on, the legendary head coach of Michigan football. Iowa fans, you know him very, very well. Bo comes on the show about 9, 9, 15 in the morning. Sounds gruff like Bo. We get done. Bo's in his car, by the way, to go do his weekly show at the local ABC station in downtown Detroit. Bo gets... Out of the uh, the car, and we hang up the phone, and he goes into the TV studio. He goes to the bathroom, and he collapses and dies. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, our 12-hour celebration of Michigan football, getting ready for Michigan versus Ohio State, has now become a memorial to Bo. Because of he, he started coaching in 1969, and he coached into the 80s. Gary Moeller took over in, was 91? I don't remember the year. I apologize. But that kind of tragedy, that kind of magnitude, is the only thing I can, I can even compare it to in my broadcast career. I've been doing this for over 20 years. But I will never forget that day when we got word. And this was before Twitter. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. We had gotten a call. And then it became an internet thing. The local TV station had posted it, that Bo died. And you have to flip, but you can't flip out. When you are in that position, as Joe Buck was, or as Troy Aikman was, or as Susie Colber, or Booger, or any of those, those people were, you cannot flip. You have to make sure that, A, you can somewhat comprehend what's going on. And you have people behind the scenes. And I had a whole team of people that were running around, making phone calls, getting guests on, bringing people in, talking about the perspective, because now it was a memorial for Bo Schembechler. No longer were we talking about Chad Henney. We didn't care about Mike Hart. It was all about Bo. And it was the story in the entire state of Michigan. So when you're live on the air, when something's going on and you're the lead broadcaster nothing stops, it changes. And you have to keep it going. You have to keep the train going down the tracks. It's a different set of tracks, and the destination is now different from where you left the uh, the station the first time. But in the case of Jamar Hamlin, football, of course, as we know, did not matter. Life mattered. And as the broadcaster, you have to keep going. You know why? Because people were tuning into me that day in my radio station, just like they were tuning in to the Monday Night Football game, whether you were there to watch just Bengals-Bills, fantasy, your gambling, whatever it was. But now you were watching for a different reason, and I'd have nothing but admiration for Joe Buck, the Hall of Famer, for Lisa Salters, who in the post game was fighting tears while she was on camera, talking to Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark, who, by the way, if you watch those two, 70 minutes, no commercial breaks, it was like a lesson in broadcast journalism on how to handle that and what what those guys those those men and women did on monday night was hall of fame worthy all around cuz it's 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 a it's a situation in your career you are not ready for hey here's a party monday night football bills bengals burrow josh allen and then the demar hamlin hit happens Michigan football one v two, and then the legend, the face of Michigan football, dies. And it's it's it was an incredible effort by those people on uh, on Monday night. So uh, props to them. Props to the people at ESPN. They get criticized a lot, I think sometimes unfairly, but props to the people at ESPN and the whole broadcast team. So Sunday night coming up in two days. I don't know if you know this, but it's a pretty big football game. Pretty big football game coming up on Sunday night. The last game of the regular season. It's the Green Bay Packers and it is the Detroit Lions. If Green Bay wins, they go to the playoffs. A team that was 4-8, and they go to the postseason. If the Lions win and get some help earlier in the day, then the Lions go to the playoffs and restore the roar. (laughs) We'll talk about it. We'll hear from Aaron Rodgers. What does Rodgers think about this potentially being his final game at Lambeau Field? That's next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. Happy Friday to you. This is Wicket's World. I believe the NFL, all the owners, 24 owners at least, approved all of the uh, AFC playoff measures, they changed the rule. And Again, I, if you missed this earlier, I came on the air as they were all meeting. I don't know why we needed to change the rule. We had a rule built in, but uh, now there is some neutral site stuff between Kansas City and Buffalo that did get voted in today. If Kansas City and Buffalo meet in the AFC championship game, the game will be played on a neutral site. Same thing goes if it's Cincinnati and Kansas City. But if it's Cincinnati and Buffalo, that game will be played in Buffalo. Should Buffalo beat New England? At, just wait. Just, <laughs> just figure it all out at the end. Uh, there's so many incredible games coming up on Sunday. Week 18 begins actually on Saturday. You got the Chiefs and the Raiders. Kansas City should take care of business. It is a rivalry. But we're talking about Jared Sidham versus Patrick Mahomes. And I realize it's Jared Siddham versus the Chiefs' defense, and it is Patrick Mahomes against that Raiders' defense, and then there's Josh Jacobs to factor in and all these things. But if Patrick Mahomes can't go into Vegas and win, I will be very surprised. Dude's going to win the MVP, should win the MVP. He should go in and win. And then Saturday night, it's Titans-Jaguars. The winner gets the AFC South. And if the Titans win, they'll win it. They'll win the division at 8-9. and nine. Jaguars are 8-8 eight and eight right now. Uh, That one is going to be played in Jacksonville. Uh, Buccaneers and Falcons, meh. There are a lot of meh games, by the way. Texans, Colts, meh. No one cares. Uh, Vikings, Bears. Vikings have an outside shot at the two. Bears are resting Justin Fields in that game. Minnesota is an eight-point favorite on the road. We'll see if primetime Kirk shows up in that football game. Uh, Jets, Dolphins, meh. Who cares? Browns and Steelers, meh. Who cares? Panthers, Saints, meh. Who cares? There's a lot of block games. This always happens the last week of the year. Somebody asked me who who doesn't play fantasy football, you know, why are championships week seventeen and not week eighteen? This is why. <laughs> All these meh games that do not matter. Stars get rested. It it's it, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, if the uh well, I guess that one does matter. I was gonna say Cardinals, Niners, Cardinals, Niners, that does matter. Because if the Niners win, they lock up at least the two seed. In the NFC, they could get the one if the Eagles lose. They're playing at home. Looks like Jalen Hurts is going to play in that game. Are the Giants going to rest starters? Because I don't think they can improve their playoff seating. I think they are locked in. Uh, Rams, Seahawks. Seahawks win, and they, they have to hope that the Packers lose because they get in. If the Seahawks lose, then the winner of Sunday night gets in. Cowboys, Commanders. Cowboys have a chance at the one, I believe. They need some help. Commanders are eliminated. They're starting rookie Sam Howell in this football game. Of course, Ravens-Bengals, there could be a coin flip done. Ravens have won the AFC South, but they could be playing their wild card game in Baltimore if they lose the coin flip. If they lose this game and lose the coin flip, they go to Baltimore. It's weird. I know. Let's just wait and see. But the game that matters. The game on Sunday night. You knew uh the NFL was licking its chops to put the real America's team, the Green Bay Packers, on Sunday night football with everything on the line for Aaron Rodgers and company. The playoffs are on the line. If Green Bay wins, they're in. And you never would have had me believe that when they were 4-8. and But Rodgers tried to tell everybody all year, we're close, we're close. Well, after the bye week, They've committed to the run. Christian Watson has become a star. And more importantly, they've stopped blitzing. Their their blitz rate has gone from like mid-pack in the National Football League to the bottom of the National Football League. And they're allowing, as you saw what happened with Justin Jefferson last week, when the Vikings got punked by the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. Skull. That's what happens. You saw what happens when... The Packers' defense actually allows, their coordinator actually allows Jair Alexander to match up with the league's best receiver in Justin Jefferson. He gets you one catch for 15 yards, and that is how you lose in fantasy football. But getting back to the Green Bay Packers, if I would have told you that the season was on the line and they lose tonight and don't make the playoffs back in August, you probably would have said this has been a failure of the year, and that's what Keyshawn Johnson thinks, too. Yeah, I think it would be a, it would be a complete failure of the season because even with Devontae Adams out, of, you know, gone to the Raiders, we didn't think that they would miss the playoffs. No, nobody thought they would actually miss the playoffs. They should beat the Lions. They are favored to beat the Lions. They're a five-point fa- only a five. They're a five-point favorite to beat the Lions as we sit right now. And this might be, and I don't know if it will be because of a trade. I don't know if it will be because of retirement. I don't know what's going to happen but it just might be Aaron Rodgers' last game at Lambeau Field.
3: I'm going to take some time after the season. Um, you know, i got a lot of uh, great memories here at Lambeau, and hopefully can add another one on Sunday.
0: Do you expect that thought at all to go to your mind on Sunday?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, just because you don't know what the future holds. But uh, when I think about that, it's nothing but gratitude, not remorse or sadness. Just gratitude for the time that I've been here. The amazing memories that I've had on this field. Been a lot of great moments. Um, but, you know, I'm still undecided. Uh, we're all undecided about the future. We're just going to enjoy uh, Sunday night and hopefully have some more to play for.
1: You ever heard the term chumming the water? That is chumming the water for national sports talk hosts like guys that come on this radio station later with Canty and Carlin who hate Aaron Rodgers. He That was an absolute honest answer. And at his age... And where the team is at, it's a fair question. And all he did was answer it. He doesn't know, all right? He's not going to give you a yes, I'll be back or a no, I won't be back. He's going to give you a we'll see in the offseason, which a lot of players, especially at his age, will do. And one of the things that might influence Aaron and a lot of players, we talked about it earlier, was what happened to DeMar Hamlin. And Aaron Rodgers was asked on the Pat McAfee show about what he says to his team following the scary incident on Monday night.
3: So what do you say to the guys? I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think you you maybe have the best situation. Just have an open forum to allow guys to just share their emotions. I think as men sometimes we're so conditioned maybe to suppress everything, to just put on a good face and, you know, we're going to tough through this. I don't really think that's the, that's the approach. I think it's to to talk about the mortality of this game, talk about the risks involved, talk about – how that brings us together and that bond that we have is so special because we know that these kind of things could happen. You don't ever think they're going to, but but I think uh, having a forum where we can talk about our mortality in this game and, and what we you know what we go through uh, to play it and what we put on the line uh, post career as well.
1: You know there are some things that Aaron Rodgers says that I completely disagree with, but that is one I 100% agree with, and I, I give props to him for talking about mental health and to Patrick McCaffrey of the Iowa basketball team, the men's team. He stepped away because he's dealing with mental health challenges. Mental health is physical health, and you're allowed to discuss it. You're allowed to not be a guy. It's all right. And when something like DeMar Hamlin and what happened affects you and your psyche, you can talk about it. All right. A little ghost to get out of here. All right. Let's see where you're at, Kira. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again coming up next week. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket, ESPN Des Moines. Uh, ESPN DSM on social media. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pack Go.